This episode is sponsored by a donor to Global Wellness Institute, or GWI. GWI is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a mission to empower wellness worldwide by educating the public and private sectors about preventative health and wellness. GWI's research, programs, and initiatives have been instrumental in the growth of the $4.5 trillion U.S. dollar wellness economy and in uniting the health and wellness industries. Visit globalwellnessinstitute.org. On this episode, we have Tyler Gonzalez. Tyler was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. From a high school volunteer experience in a hospital, he developed a passion and interest in medicine, which grew while he completed his undergraduate studies at UC Berkeley. He attended medical school at UCLA while simultaneously completing an MBA. While practicing in his chosen specialty of orthopedic surgery, he has been an avid entrepreneur founding a number of companies. Tyler, thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Asim, for having me. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. No, it's really great. I've been looking forward to this. Um, we've known each other for quite some years, and I've uh, always been impressed with um, your uh, dual-handedness in just about everything you do, just sort of uh, mining the, the medical, but also the, the business side of things. So um, this is going to be a great conversation. Um, love to go back to the very beginning. Um, so you're a Los Angeles kid. Tell us about that. Uh, growing up in LA, what was it like? Oh, it was great. I mean, uh, you know, I, I grew up in, in Westwood, you know, and uh, uh, I just grew up in the sunshine, you know, playing outside, skateboarding, uh, playing soccer, as you know, uh, surfing, uh, you know, going snowboarding short distances away. So, uh, you know, it was not a lot of people, as you know, like, are born and raised in LA. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's very native. Yeah, right? but, uh, native Angelino. Exactly, right? Very native, you know, and in the heart of it. So it was great. I loved it as a kid. It was great. Met a lot of good friends uh, uh, and just loved being outdoors, uh, you know, and just getting that experience out there and uh, just having everything LA had to offer to me for a very long time. That's really awesome. And, uh, you know, at some point, I'm going to lean on you to tell me as a transplant when I'm allowed to call myself an Angelino. Um, this you can do it now, man. I think you're... Yeah? you're 20 years is okay? Huh? huh? 20 years is okay? Yeah, man. I mean, you're, sitting, you're, you're, you're deep into it. Right. I wouldn't have even known you were a transplant based on uh, how you act. So you're good. <laughs> oh, okay. Brilliant. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. You have a you have a strong love for LA. You're very proud yeah. of it. So uh, I am. Yeah. No, that's that's true. And I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I, I I left New York kind of kicking and screaming, and thought I'd be back in two years. But um, LA became home. And it's it, it, funny how those things. It's funny just how those ha it happens, right? I mean, yeah, like you exactly. know, uh, it's funny because like we were talking earlier. You know, my wife was the same way. She came kicking and screaming from the East Coast to the West Coast and thought she'd hate it. And after six months, never wanted to leave, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we're going to work on her so that we can get you back because now- Yeah, yeah. Now that we have kids, you know, and you're, you're on family's the family's back on the East Coast, she doesn't want to go back to the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> it's all life, right? All these little things just uh, affect so much. Uh, for sure, you do. for sure. Um, and where you are in your life, right? And yeah. what you need and what you, what the desires and the help you need really affects 
I mean, you could basically live anywhere, but in our minds, we, we always don't think that way. So no, that's so true. Yeah. Um, Tyler, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a younger sister, uh, uh, Jenna. She's, she's four years younger. Uh, uh, she's great. Uh, we are, we are vastly different in probably every way possible. We look different. She didn't skateboard uh, or surf. No, no, she, I'm the loud, I'm the loud, always talking, you know, boisterous, you know, uh, uh, individual. And she's very quiet, shy, soft-spoken, um, uh, which was probably good in our household because two of us might've been a lot to deal with. <laughs> two of me, I should say. But uh, no, she's great. But yeah, we're, we're very different in that regard. But she's great. She's actually um, uh, finishing up her social work degree right now at USC nice. um, you know so uh, she's making great strides in that regard um, but uh, yeah so that's what she's she's still in LA I don't yeah. think she'll ever leave I mean, well uh, so she's uh, doing her MSW at USC correct. and you're an yeah. assistant professor at USC but a different yeah. USC a different USC yeah. <laughs> yeah you're at the University of Southern South Carolina we don't yeah call University Southern. of South Carolina yeah that's right yeah I'm not even gonna try to say which one's better I don't even need to get in an argument with you don't you, you don't have to I grew up as a Bruin fan already know <laughs> well so exactly interactions with there's, the Trojans to know where this is gonna go there's so, really only one USC for you yeah it's we don't even need to start one all right I, I know where it's gonna go I'd like you guys take it <laughs> Say what you will. You're just as bad as like Stanford fans or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's because I went to Berkeley, you know. That's my that's my quote unquote rival, if you want to call it that. Well, of course. No, no, we all have these school rivalries and that's important. It's a big part of the um, you know being uh, you know identity and being part of a, a certain tribe so um you you stayed true to that well before we get to your time at berkeley um I, you know, other than being outdoors a lot what did you kind of do for fun like what was the thing once you were done with your homework you were so eager to do did you read I a mean, lot as really? an example huh Sit down. did you read a lot as an example no i hated reading wow i really did <laughs> honestly you had to given your my... academic accomplishments it's a bit hard to believe but okay uh... uh you would have to uh, you'd have to just tie me down to read a book i i, I think it was you know growing up uh, honestly i i just didn't like reading and i don't know i still to this day i i love it now right and i do it for pleasure now and it's one of my favorite things to do but when i was younger and i don't know why and it maybe because my i, I honestly my mom would always say my mind would be moving too fast. And so like, uh, I love being outdoors and, and playing and skateboarding and playing soccer. But I think that's why I fell in love with like science and math, um, uh, you know, because math was there was an end game all the time, right? Yeah. Right, you know, you could sit me in front of 50 problems and I was like, I just bang one out one after another. And like, I would say 50, 49, 48, you know, just counting down and, to to end it right and i would always be actively engaged and i don't know i just i i now i love reading anything you can put you know whether it's a self-help book or a cookbook or a novel fiction non-fiction uh, anything you know I, I love some you know entrepreneurial startup books whatever it is but back then when i was growing up you couldn't pay me enough to read um just kind of funny and, and i just found my niche in science and math because i just felt it felt it fit my personality and my desire yeah. um 
better at that age. But when I wasn't doing that, you know, I'd finish my homework, I'd go out and skateboard, play soccer, just, just be engaging with friends and um, just enjoying, enjoying the sunshine. Gotcha. No, that makes complete sense. Um, you graduated from uh, Santa Monica High School. Correct. Yep. And uh, tell us about why you chose Berkeley. Uh, so, you know, honestly, I was a California kid. I couldn't think of really going anywhere else. Um, grew up by UCLA, huge Bruin fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, and uh, go Bruins. And so uh, I, but I thought it was too close to home because yeah. I had grown up around it. Um, couldn't go to USC, obviously, right? Could never go there. And then, um, so, uh, you know, looked really at uh, Berkeley and mainly went to Berkeley because I didn't get into Stanford, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, they just rejected me flat out, right? They're like, you don't, read enough, you don't read enough to come here. You got to go somewhere else. <laughs> so I got, went to Berkeley and that's where I went. Okay. Well, I appreciate the candor. Um, uh, it was very thoughtful. And what did you end up studying at Berkeley? So I studied uh, actually physiology and metabolism over there. So did all the pre-med stuff, but sure. uh, you know, I focused on physiology and metabolism, you know, being uh, an athlete and being very into wellness and health um, and also the love for science and medicine. I, I thought that uh, rather than just doing some biology or some, you know, some typical major like that, I still wanted to stay in the sciences, but I wanted to do something that I thought also had some application in nutritional science and physiology and metabolism. It was just a very interesting area uh, of study for me. So that's where I went. Yeah, that makes enjoyed. complete sense. That's great. Yeah. When did you know, Tyler, that you wanted to go to med school? Um, it's a great question. So actually, I first uh, wanted to be a vet. Okay. So I loved animals. I loved animals growing up. I just thought they were fascinating. And, uh, and I always wanted to, you know, I thought being able to help them and heal them would be a very cool uh, job and profession. And I love science. And, but then when I was in uh, middle school over the summer, I got an opportunity to volunteer at um, UCLA hospital through a mutual family friend. Mm -hmm. um, and just thought, you know, during the summer it was, it was, an internship but you got like a little stipend so make a little money in middle school was awesome right and it was only a couple hours a day and then I could go to the beach afterwards so I was like perfect um and so I did it but then when I was doing that and just helping kind of with I was just helping with volunteers on the floor helping with the phlebotomist felt helping with all these different people I really liked how these healthcare providers were providing care for humans and, and patients and I and I hadn't seen that side really before and so all of a sudden I, I i thought that well you know i just steer my energy towards taking care of people instead of animals and that's and then i said oh you know well i can do that through being a doctor so i was like okay and so like everything i do a seem you know i i vet it so then i started talking to people i knew who were physicians shadowing people all the time exploring things finding the good and the bad and Overall, I just thought it would fit me as a, as a person and as a career choice. And I thought people were fairly happy in it. And I think, you know, given, you know, my drive and like what I like to do, it just kind of fit who I was. Nice. No, that's awesome. So you knew at a pretty young age, you had the calling. Yeah, probably entering high school was probably where I kind of like solidified that. Yeah. That's really great.
But, um, you know, obviously, as a part of your studies, you, you studied business as well. Was that a, like a dual track uh, passion growing up? Or was that something you decided a little later, maybe when you were in college already, that business would be interesting to pursue? Or, or maybe not till you started med school? No, no, it's a great question. So I really got interested in it in, in college because I had a lot of friends who were finance and in business, the business school at Haas at Berkeley. And I knew nothing about business, you know, so both my parents weren't in business. Both my parents weren't in medicine. They just, my dad was like a blue collar construction worker. My mom didn't work for a long time. And then she was just an office manager um, at a, a physician group. But so I had zero business experience and zero business background. And it was this fascinating world that, uh, you know, eluded me. And so in college, I was very interested in going and learning about business, but trying to take minor in business or double major in business was essentially impossible with the schedule of classes and pre-med classes. They were just over overlapped. So from a from a scheduling, it was like impossible to do almost at that time. I don't know if it's changed, but at that time it was too difficult. So I just let, let it ride and just learn from friends. But then when I got into medical school, like at UCLA, they had a combined program. One of my very good friends in the school was a very business minded. He's now a big CMO at a biotech company up in, in uh, the Bay Area. And he's a hematologist, oncologist, great guy. But he was very business oriented and uh, we were great friends. We played soccer together, uh, you know, we were very close. And so he got me interested in business. And so we had done some startups in medical school actually together. And then he told me he was gonna go to the, do the MD MBA at Anderson. So I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I'll sign up for that too. And then, you know, took the GMAT, got in and then pursued it that way. So I, I think exactly what you said. I always had an interest in it from kind of a young age, just the opportunity to arise until medical school. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you also began to show your entrepreneurial credentials at a pretty young age, because um, I remember you're sharing how in high school you had a, you basically had a business in high school that you ran. Yeah, I mean, we did, we did some SAT prep and, and tutoring stuff of, of younger kids and uh, you know, it, it's funny throughout all your interviews on achieve, I feel, you know, the, the person you're interviewing better than they know themselves, <laughs> but you do why you're such a good host for this show and do such a good job and your show is so intriguing, but yeah, you know, I think that entrepreneur spirit, when I look back was always there, you know, without me knowing it, right. You know, doing my own tutoring companies and, uh, organizing these businesses and, and, you know, educational programs that I created. Uh, it, it always was a drive of teaching and education and research, but, but still from a, a business side, like creating that entity that never existed. So, sure. you know, which is, yeah. which is funny to look back on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and I also, I appreciate the compliment about uh, knowing the, the guests well. It's uh, part of my passion is, is you got to understand with whom you're talking and don't ask lame questions that uh, anyone could ask. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you definitely don't like to be lame. That is for sure. <laughs> you you want to make, you, you like to be good. I know you're, you're good at what you do. And so you, you got to come prepared, which is great. You know, it, it's, it, being lame is no good. It doesn't get you many downloads, right? 
<laughs> That's right. I figured that part out pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, you did exceptionally well at uh, in med school. You were a David Geffen scholar uh, while mm -hmm. there. And uh, also at the Anderson School, you had a number of uh, accolades. Um, you, you're VP of the soccer club, uh, to, which is a theme you've hit upon a few times now since youth. What position did you play, Tyler? Uh, so mainly I played left defense, right? Played in the back. I mean, they would swap me around, but I, I mainly was a defender. Interesting. You know? a, little scrap, a little scrappy defender. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I wouldn't have thought that, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. That's really Yeah, I, uh, you know, I... You know, a little wrecking ball back there, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, quick, fast. You know, it was fun. I, I like being back there. You know, the last, you know, you can't win games without defense, baby. For, for so, sure. Yeah. Italy so. shows that all the time, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm bitter. No, um, not <laughs> uh, that's so fascinating. Well, um, I, I used to be like uh, when I played, which I don't anymore. Um, I uh, went from like a number 10 to a number six, and then I went to S. And S is not striker, it's spectator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of in that category too now. Uh, I don't remember That's my what, favorite I position with the girls, but I, you know, getting back on that field, I just last time I just injured myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't have that. I anymore. love it though. It was. I mean, I could, I could, I could do that all day if I could just play. You know, it would be so, so amazing. I mean, it's such a great sport and love it so much. But yeah, man, now you know, try to get spectators is kind of where I stand to. Maybe I'll hopefully the girls get back into it, get into it, and I get back on the field with them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so how was this uh, program structured at UCLA? Because you know you've traditionally got four years of med school and two years of business school. Did you integrate it? Uh, how did you um, go through your experience there? Yeah, it's integrated. So it's a combined five-year program. So you do three years of medical school full time, then you swap over to business school full time for a year, and then basically your last, your fifth year is like split fifty-fifty. Gotcha. Okay. Right. And, and the, the business school kind of, you know, merges over with some of the medical school classes and you get dual credits, but, that, but that's basically how it's, how it's organized. And, you know, I focused on kind of entrepreneurship and, and healthcare. And so a lot of my classes and projects kind of had dual overlap. So it was very easy for me to do that transition and, and to integrate everything. And, and, you had the option of doing full-time two years. I don't think I needed that. I think getting the language and the exposure and the experience of my time there was enough. Um, I know some people who left full-time. I still wanted to be a surgeon and be an orthopedic surgeon. And so I didn't want to take full two years away. Um, and I think that was a fine decision for me and personally, mm -hmm. just doing it that way in five years. And I think I gained a lot. And, I, and we've talked about this before. I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing I gained was a language and an understanding, right? And you and I talked about this when we first met five, six years ago. It was just that foundation I needed. And then since then, it's been my growing relationships with people, people like you, doing our own startups and businesses. And through those experiences of uh, 
the startups I've done and the failures I've had and the successes I've had, that's where I've really grown to, to understand the business world. But I think that that initial education and those initial experiences were key to kind of launch that. And then, and then everything else then has just been a, a development process because I did become very passionate about it. So, which, which obviously helped. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's great. So when did you decide on the specialty of uh, orthopedic surgery? Uh, so I decided actually, you know, pretty late. I feel like most orthopedic surgeons are like, I'm doing ortho, 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 right? They're the sports guys, you know, uh, being very stereotypical here, the, the, the jocks, you know, which they're not always, but at all, uh, you know, uh, it's a mix of every, everybody in, in the field, um, men and women from all different backgrounds. And it's a great field and I love it. And I wouldn't do anything else. Uh, but, uh, I initially thought I wanted to do, um, pediatric cardiology, actually. You know, I love working with kids. Um, uh, and I was really fascinated by the heart and pediatric cardiology, very complex. Um, and I really liked, I liked it. Um, but then in my third year, your third year of medical school, you go out of the classroom and into the hospital and you do all your clerkship rotation. So you rotate through family medicine, surgery, internal medicine, OBGYN, pediatrics. And when I rotated through surgery, I just was like, oh, this is where I need to be, right? Uh, you know, I just, I just love the hands-on uh, surgical experience. I loved caring for those patients, solving those complex problems. Um, and uh, when I was rotating through surgery, I didn't know what surgery I would do. And when I got into orthopedics, I just really liked the diversity of what you could do. You could treat kids, you could treat elderly patients, you could treat athletes, you could treat a one-year-old, you could treat a hundred-year-old, you could treat arthritis, you could do total joint replacement. So, and I really liked the personalities in orthopedics and, and the people there. And I, and I liked the lifestyle. Um, the other thing I liked was the other avenues that orthopedics had. I think that there was a lot of business side to orthopedics. There was a lot of innovation going on a lot of uh, uh, development of products. There's obviously in every field, there's research, but I like the research that was going on in that field. And so um, I think from those avenues of fit, hitting things that were important to me, it just kind of fit what I wanted. So it was really, it was a little late, you know, in third year of medical school, but, um, but I was able to make it work, you know? Nice. Yeah, it's worked really well. Um, so tell us about uh, where you headed for your residency. So I went to uh, Harvard for residency in Boston. It was a combined program. So I trained at Mass General and Brigham and Women's and Boston Children's and uh, Beth Israel Deaconess. Uh, great experience, loved it there. Um, one of the reasons why I think I liked it so much when I interviewed there, they were very keen on my dual degree. Mm. So uh, surprisingly, a lot of programs didn't like the fact that I had a business degree. Interesting. Because they're like, oh, aren't you training to be a doctor? Why did you want to do this? And, um, and despite my <laughs> explanation of, well, healthcare is a business. Uh, we are, no matter how you look at it, we're in the business. We're a service industry. We care for patients. But there's, there's a lot of things to the side of healthcare. There's administration. There's business. There's, I mean, we see it all around us. Uh, insurance, hospitals, industry. I mean, it surrounds us. And as a provider, I, I didn't understand that well enough. And that was part of my uh, business degree is really understanding the, 
the business side of healthcare from the hospital side, the administration side, the insurance side, and the industry side. And I felt that made me a better provider because mm. I, I think treating patients for me, I don't do it, try to do it through one arm, right? I'm mm. a surgeon, but I can only operate on so many people a day, so many people a year, so many people in my life. But if I can, why I'm so passionate about education, right? Educating the medical students here at USC, educating my residents, but we have residents that rotate with me an orthopedic. That's for me, that's training the next generation of, surgeons and physicians which can reach exponentially more people it's why i'm involved i love doing research and why i focus a lot of my time on research because i can educate teach prove disprove things through my research which then again can affect x amount of more people um same why you know some of the business ventures i've started again to improve patient care so I focus on improving patient care. I try to through all these different avenues, not just being a surgeon. Right. And uh, so when I went on these interviews, some people liked it, some people didn't. And at Harvard, they were real. My, the majority of my interview was talking about it. I mean, one of the coolest experiences I had was I was in the room with all the chairmen. So like the bosses of Harvard, of Mass General Brigham, surrounded by some of the most brilliant uh prominent orthopedic surgeons in the world in one room and you're sitting at the end of this table right and they're all staring at you right <laughs> and uh they asked me and they said what was your what your best experience uh in your your medical school career and see if this was i totally took a gamble on this right but I, I got us, I, I had a good feeling about this place. And I said, my best experience was uh, the, uh, the startup I did in business school, which was a healthcare startup uh, uh, with a biotech company out there at UCLA. We, we worked with some PhDs to, to improve, to start up a company with a point of care medical testing device, a novel device. Gotcha. Uh, and that's what I talked to them about. That's what I said was my most, and I told them why I thought it was so valuable, what I learned and how it was going to help my future career. Uh, and uh, I guess it worked because I got in. <laughs> but well uh, but uh, that's what I liked about them. I felt they were very, and throughout my time there, they were very supportive of the MBA. You know, I did Michael Porter's value-based healthcare course. I did a, a lot of research with cost efficiency and OR efficiency and value analysis. Um, and uh, met a lot of good people who were focused on business side of healthcare and made a lot of good relations. So I thought that was really uh, valuable for my growth and development as an orthopedic surgeon and, and from uh, understanding uh, healthcare uh, in that regard as well. So it was just, I, I love that program. I think the education was second to none and got a lot of good uh, experience from the business side as well. That's really great. Uh, where did you head after Harvard? So Harvard, I did. Uh, so then I went to Cedar sinai for, I, I specialized. So in orthopedics, I specialized in foot and ankle uh, surgery and reconstruction. Um, uh, and so I went to Cedar sinai and uh, trained there uh, uh, with Dave Thordeson, Glenn Pfeffer, and Tim Charlton, who are great uh, leaders in the field and got a, just a phenomenal experience there. Um, and, uh, so that was just my specialty training and then, you know, uh, moved to, uh, uh North Carolina for a bit uh, to practice and then took a assistant professorship over here at, in university of South Carolina. 
Nice. Well, congrats and kudos on all those accomplishments. Um, I'm always impressed with how busy you you stay, and um, you know you you alluded to the um, startups um, that you've been involved with, which we will get to in a moment. But um, you also referenced your research orientation, and considering how I mean this is fair, somewhat early in your career, and you obviously accomplished a great deal, but to have 75 peer-reviewed scientific publications. And that probably has increased since uh, I wrote that down. Um, is really phenomenal. Tell us about uh, those experiences and, and the draw of, of research for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you for the, the compliment, Asim. I mean, I've had many good uh, mentors and uh, uh, students and residents and that have helped me with these. So it wasn't just all me. Um, but I think it just goes back to what I said earlier. I think that being able to help more people than just with my hands is, is a passion of mine. And also, I love to disprove <laughs> or prove things that I may or may not believe in. And I think that's how we do it through research. I think to provide the best care to our patients, we can't just assume, we can't just take dogma for what it is. We can't just say, oh, yeah, this is how I was trained or this is how it's always been done. And I think research is the way to answer those clinical questions. And just like lean process manufacturing or anything you do in business, if there's a way to improve it, improve efficiency, improve the outcome, improve the bottom line, it happens in all fields in all the world, uh, business, finance, anything you look at. And I think in medicine, we have to do that too. And people do. And that's why I like it because I think while we're working, we can analyze our work. And I do it to make myself better and to provide my patients better. And then from my results that I find, why should I be the only one that knows that? Uh, we should share it with the world. And I think you, part of research is sharing the good and the bad, right? right? If you do something that doesn't work, I think it should be published. If you do something that works well, it should be published. That way we can educate our community, our other surgeons And that way. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've learned from other people's research and changed what I've done from other people's research. And that's why I love to do it. Um, and I think that uh, it provides us just the ability to grow as a field and provide uh, a better care. Um, and so, so that's really where the, that passion has been grown and developed uh, over time. That's great. It's really superb. Uh, congrats on uh, um, uh, the number that you've been written and been a part of. It's really, really extraordinary. Um, coming back to the startups now. So, um, what came of that point of care device you were working on with the, uh, PhD students, uh, at UCLA? Oh, well, it's very interesting. Actually, you mentioned that. So, um, we, these, these PhD students developed this point of care testing device. We, uh, in business school. So that was kind of my first role. I was really, you know, kind of like, head of research and, and kind of like the chief operating officer. So if you want to call it whatever, and we did it for about two years, we, 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 uh, you know, really won a bunch of awards, competitions, raised a good amount of money, developed a prototype. Um, and honestly, uh, we had some interest in people who wanted to license the technology, buy it. Um, however, me and uh, my other colleague, my buddy who I was telling you about who got me was uh, basically the CEO of this company. His name's Alex. Um, Alexi Leshin, uh, he, him and I were going to residency. 
So we basically, there was five of us kind of doing this company, including the two PhDs and one MBA student. And we're like, well, we should license this. We should sell it. We got momentum. They weren't really keen on doing that. They wanted to continue to try to grow it and develop it. And we're like, okay, well, we're, we can't, we're going to residency. So we're out. So we kind of left it in their hands and, but we had built this huge foundation, right? We had built the model. We had built the structure. We had built the strategy. And so one of the, uh, one of the scientists, R Ricky Choi took it and he actually, it was, um, uh, uh, we called it phase diagnostics. And I think the name now is phase scientific. I think he changed the name a little bit. Um, uh, I got, I should look it up real quick for you actually. Um, and he took it and he over, it took him about five years from the time we got involved, but he got it going. He won some grants from the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, nice. uh, raised a ton of money. And they've been developing point-of-care testing devices for COVID-19. Wow. And they've uh, actually are more focused on detecting certain particles from cancer cells and helping with uh, early diagnostic of cancer. And so it's been really cool. And it's, it's a growing company. They've raised a ton of money. They have a full team now. And uh, what's cool to see that is uh, – when, I, when you look at what they've done, developed, it is the exact same strategy we impl we, we had built, you know, in 2010, right? right? Yeah. So it's, it was very cool for me to see that growth, that, that our initial thought, our idea, our target, our strategy, our business plan worked. That's great. Congrats. I wasn't involved in it for the last eight years, but <laughs> right. hey, we started it. So it was very cool. Foundation. That was my very first venture. Yeah, that's yeah, exciting. That's well exciting. done on that. And I learned that you, I should have, you know, really had a good equity share agreement in there because I um, <laughs> I don't know where that paper oh, is. No. I definitely had, I, I owned something of it at the time, but I have, I, I don't know where that was or where oh, that no. Well, it, it could be really lucrative to find it. Um, yeah, I've been looking. I've been looking. <laughs> Let me tell you. I've been looking really hard. I bet. I bet. Well, maybe Alexa, you found his. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, well, that's uh, fascinating. That's great. Um, well, tell us about uh, Pombo because I think you started yeah. that uh, shortly after your residency. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually started in residency um, as a chief resident. Started it. You know, it was an. It's. You know, it was an idea to improve medical education and research. And the idea behind it was that we don't have a good way of communicating uh, research, uh, discussing about research, um, and sharing research around the world. There is PubMed and Google Scholar, but there's limited access, and we can't really communicate and teach each other about publications. So this was meant to build a platform uh, community, almost like a social media for research. And uh, we built this platform and, uh, you know, it was, it's something that we've been working on for three years. And, and honestly, it's something that we've had a, a lot of struggles with and ups and downs. And we raised a, a lot of money. We got it developed. But unfortunately, we just had some internal issues uh, with a development process that we're still um, undergoing working out and figuring out. And 
I think the beauty of this is that uh, it has really taught me a lot about, you know, uh, uh, different sides of business I was never exposed to. I mean, we, we had a ton of trials and uh, testing of our beta versions that were, that got great feedback, worked really well. People loved the product. Um, we reiterated, reiterated, and had great feedback on great beta launches. But uh, the final product, uh, we still haven't been, unfortunately, been able to re release yet. Um, I'm still hopeful. But uh, at the same time, there's just, you know, there's been a lot of uh, ups and downs that have come of it, which happens in any entrepreneurial venture. And um, it was a great idea. And it's hopefully we'll still be able to get it out there. Uh, but it's one of those things where I think the, some of the real beauty in it uh, has been the relationships I've built, the experience I've gained. So it wasn't all a loss. And, and it's still not dead yet. I mean, but we're doing every, I'm doing everything I can to keep it alive. Um, but it's how you and I, you know, met four or five years ago. And so uh, it was my first kind of own venture by myself with my partner, Casey, uh, to do something that we thought was lacking in the medical education space. And uh, since that time, we've really spawned off multiple other ventures. And um, one thing, uh, you know, that we really started was this company called Redwood Tech, yeah. which is really like a, we developed kind of like a think tank of, okay. of, uh, of healthcare startups, right? And, and education research startups, right? And from that, we've, we've, we've spun off multiple different things with multiple different partnerships to try to improve medical education, research, healthcare through entrepreneurial ventures. So uh, the most recent, uh, actually two, one is uh, called MedBuddy, which is in beta testing now. We have it probably over a hundred uh, uh, residency residents and medical students using it now. And it was an application to improve task management and communication with uh, by healthcare providers. Right. Um, you know, residency is very hard. People get banned down. They for, people forget things and it's pretty archaic how people, I mean, as a resident to do things for patients, like you write it on paper. Yeah. I mean, it's very archaic. People use Surrey, but there was no really organized platform that could communicate. So we developed MedBuddy, which is a simple, it uses some AI and machine learning to help you uh, uh, do tasks for certain patients. It's and then, a wearable, right? Huh? It's a wearable. You wear it like a, a watch? Yeah, well, it's an app, so you can have it on your, your Apple Watch, gotcha. you know, and it'll remind you of tasks to do, but you can also share tasks amongst your co-residents or medical students so that they never get dropped. And, so what would be some examples of tasks that prior to would have been dropped, but now you're capturing it all? So potentially, like, you have to go uh, up. Uh, do a dressing change on a surgical patient after surgery, right? And you're busy because you're dealing with other patients and you may forget and you might not get to it to two in the morning. Well, this will remind you of that. It's, and if you have to do it every day, right? It's something that can get lost. Or there, there are things that, you know, people who may be after surgery, for example, for a medicine residents, people who are having a heart attack or you're concerned about heart attack, you may have to check labs like magnesium levels or potassium levels. So the beauty of this is it, it will remind you when those checks are due, but also using kind of the algorithms that we've developed, 
if you're checking uh, a potassium level, it may recommend, do you also want to check a magnesium level if you don't have that reminder, right? So through some of this AI that we've integrated, because um, some of these, these people are learning too, right? So they may not know everything. So it provides some educational tools. Yeah. And the beauty of it, we feel is it's, it, you're able to now communicate on a, it's HIPAA compliant. You can communicate through a platform so you can share tasks. So a lot of nowadays your shift work, that's also, we've found a huge amount of medical errors occur during shift work, right? Because tasks get lost, yep. things get forgotten. So this allows you to stay in one team unit, one application, and then all the tasks are just simply transferred, minimizing the risk of dropping a task and therefore minimizing a poor outcome to a patient, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then it allows documentation that these tasks are complete, which again, we are trying to minimize one thing that's important to me is resident and medical burnout. Nice. So with all these tasks, not only do you have to remember to do it, do it, you have to document it. Right. And there's a huge medical legal thing that we're always taught and have to deal with. It gets with all this, it gets burdensome. True. So this app was made to make your life a little easier. Okay. Right. Tasks are recorded. Tasks can be transferred. And then through, we haven't built this yet, but it's very easy to build in API to integrate this into bigger systems, then that can just be uploaded to the patient's chart. So it's all documented, it's recorded. Nice. And that that will help we feel make residents and medical students' lives just a little easier because it's a little one less step they have to do. And that's all. For it's sure. not a life-changing or world-changing event, but if we can save the life of one patient, make one less resident burnout, and provide a little help during this process. Uh, that's what our goal was. And I think the feedback we've gotten is that it does. It helps, right? It makes life a little easier. That's great. That's and, phenomenal. And so that's what we wanted to accomplish. And I think the from my side, it also helps on the other side because it allows us quality control too. Because we can check if the ball is dropped, we have data, we have analytics that we can look at and see where that is so that we can improve patient care. Nice. So that's kind of why I think it has a lot of real potential yeah what's fascinating is uh the common theme for these various businesses you've been a part of starting are all adding value to the physician process and the delivery of care and so i find it interesting that uh, when you talked about the initial decision to go to business school you also reflected on how uh, orthopedics is very business uh, friendly or are there are a lot of business opportunities. Um, are there any orthopedic uh, opportunities on the horizon for you or are you going to continue to stay in this mode, which has been a great mode to be in of continuing to uh, find ways to add value to make the delivery of care better? Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, one is, uh, so me and uh, a few other of my, uh, uh, good colleagues, uh, we've developed a novel uh, medical, um, uh, uh, patented medical device for orthopedics that we just have partnered with uh, a, a medical device company uh, in the orthopedic space to begin development. So nice. hopefully we're, uh, so we've just finalized those terms and agreements and we are going to begin this process of developing this new implant, which we think, again, I think will is better than anything out there and will help uh, 
improve uh, uh, the outcomes of patients. It, again, developed because I thought what was out there wasn't adequate for this specific problem. And so now we're going to uh, develop something that I think will provide faster recovery, faster rehab, uh, to get athletes back faster, elderly patients back faster. So from an orthopedic standpoint, yeah, we've developed this novel device and, and are going to begin development with, a, with our partner company very soon. Um, so that's exciting. That's, that's been something um, I thought of almost a year ago. So it's actually uh, moved fairly quickly in terms of, you know, entrepreneurship. Sure. It's been sure. under a year. So that's great. Nice. Um, and then the other thing actually is uh, another uh, uh, startup that I actually got brought into uh, about six or seven months ago to help them kind of, they were having some difficulty moving forward. Um, it's called Billy Note. And uh, it's actually a, uh, a coding and billing uh, software using, using uh, natural language processing and AI to help surgeons uh, and uh, uh, better be able to code and bill to, again, try to free up time and minimize the administrative and the burnout rate. Nice. So to try to uh, improve efficiency from the surgeon side. And then it also has applications for residents to help um, uh, learn the business side of their future when they're, because they're in residency, you're never taught any of this business side about how to uh, do operative reports or coding or billing, which you have to do That's right. as part of your livelihood to make some tremendous amount of time and, and does lead to burnout and added stress and definitely in the, in your first few years of practice. So it's also applicable to them to start to teach them and educate them about things that are needed and uh, the rules that you have to follow to do this appropriately, legally, and ethically. And so uh, we actually just closed on our first round and raised $280,000 um, just last week, uh, or two weeks ago, sorry. And we've uh, partnered with a great uh, development firm out in the Bay Area, and they've been in the process now for several weeks now in the, in the stages of developing this, uh, this um, uh, software. And so uh, we have... Uh, a bunch of beta testers signed up uh, to use it. Uh, we're in the first, we're doing our first sprint now. So we hope to have uh, a demo out in the next couple of weeks for that. And so that's very exciting. So, so that's another uh, kind of venture I'm involved with um, from, the, uh, uh, from the orthopedic side, but it's called Billy Note. And we, we hope to have a, a good uh, working uh, demo out in the in the next three months, and I think that'll really uh, free up a lot of time for surgeons and be a very another valuable product out there on the market. That's great. Um, well, Tyler, I think it's wonderful how you're focusing um, on um, physician burnout um, because that's a, a key area that um, hasn't gotten a lot of attention in the past, and I think especially with what's happening with COVID. Um, it's a particularly uh, important area today. Um, I've talked to a number of other physician friends who are like in the ER at Cedars and will text and they'll just tell me how they feel completely burnt out. They're isolating themselves from their families and so they don't really have that interaction because they're treating COVID all day, every day. Sure. Um, so, um, I mean, it's, just, it's great that you've adopted that as a kind of a, a theme or a mission. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel that um, it's really important because, I mean, uh, you know, it is a real problem. Uh, you know, it, in orthopedics, it can be up to 25% now, new data suggests, um, with certain residents and, and, and 
uh, you know, uh, real attendings. And, and that's a huge number. And, you know, people work so hard to do this and provide such great care. But we're, you know, it's very tough. It's tough with COVID. It's tough with administrative duties. It's, it's tough with all the responsibilities and how healthcare has changed. And we don't want our physicians. We don't want our general practitioners. We don't want our surgeons, because it's all doctors, to be burned out. We don't want our medical students, our residents. And I think it's an area we need to focus on from multiple avenues. You and I have talked about this from the wellness space and uh, we're both very big into wellness and mindfulness and, and, and meditation and yoga and things like that and, and integrating those practices into their education and, mm. and other ways of coping. Um, there's, you have to tackle this from multiple fronts. It, it has to be from the education side. It has to be from their own self help self uh, uh, wellness side and, and, and sleeping well and eating well and exercise. And then it also has to be, how can we facilitate ease in the workplace and make things more efficient and better? And, and right now, I think for me, you know, that's where I can, uh, I can, I'm trying to add the, some value and trying to make it the day to day just a little easier, right? Because if we, we don't go for the home run, but we just go for the little baby steps and we keep adding those baby steps. We'll make things better. Um, uh, and that's what I think we need to do too, because, because it's just becoming more and more of an issue, like you said, and, and we just need to find solutions to it. Great. No, I love that. Tyler, it's been such a great conversation. Uh, oh yeah. Always, uh, man. Thank, thank you so you much. For having God. It's great. I love it. It's been really great. This, uh, these stories, these anecdotes, um, your mission, all that you're doing, I think is going to be really inspirational for, for many listeners. So um, definitely appreciate all the great work you're doing. And um, yeah, I just want to wish you luck in all your endeavors. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you, Asim, and I thank you so much for having me on. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive and Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.